we've been speaking about eternal life, uh, or singing about eternal life, and I've, my, my sermon today is entitled um, Eternal Life, so you want to turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 6. Um, a friend treated me and my family one time to a, a cinema, not a cinema, a theatre trip, and a meal. And we went to this meal in um, a restaurant called Bal... Bal... Balthazar. I couldn't even say it. It's too posh for me to go in there. But I went in there in Covent Garden and we sat there and, and as we were, were eating um, a meal that they gave us, I want to tell you that the whole thing was lovely, but there was this meat that was on my plate that stood out. I want to tell you it was something else. I want to put my hand up and say, can I have some more of this meat? It was absolutely... Something just, the whole meal was great, but something stood out from that meal that was really, really wonderful. Again, um, coming through um, Heathrow Airport, I remember um, we come up from a honeymoon, coming through Heathrow Airport, and the size of the police officers at Heathrow Airport, there was this guy standing there about six foot eight. He wasn't just head and shoulders above everyone else. He was waist, chest, head and shoulders. This guy was huge. He just stood out from everybody else. And when I was reading Romans chapter 6, sometimes there's a Bible verse that stands out. The whole thing is great, but sometimes there's one verse that you read in the Bible that stands out over all the other verses. And this one verse hit me square in the eye, and I had to sort of like say, I need to give time to this one verse. And here it is. It's in Romans chapter 6. The last verse is 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the one verse that stands out. And we're going to look at this verse um, this morning together. Now we have been saying for the past few weeks that all men are slaves. You can either be slaves to sin, or you can be a slave to God. All men are slaves. We all serve someone. You can either be a servant or slave to sin, or a slave to God. There is no middle ground. Now the question that I need to ask myself is this. Why are people slaves to sin? That's the question that I want to ask myself. Why are people slaves to sin? Well, the Bible tells me that the reason why they're slaves to sin is because there's pleasure in sin. That's what the Bible says. And so, um, so my first heading is uh, Sin Pays, and we read this in speaking about Moses. Moses in the Old Testament it says this about him. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses was in the Pharaoh's palace. Moses was in Pharaoh's court. He was a prince. And surrounding him was all the overindulgence that he could have as a prince in Pharaoh's kingdom. And there was a pleasure of sin 
that was right there, mixed in with all the other stuff that was going on in Pharaoh's palace. But what most people do is that they want to rub out the word fleeting. They want to rub out the word for a short time. They want to rub out the word a season. And they want to keep the pleasures of sin right there. Someone says, I saw a car sticker in the back of a car and the th- words like, you know, you only have one life. Live it. Another person spoke and it says, we're only here for a good time. But we're only here for a short time. No, so I think that. We're only here for a good time, not for a long time. That's the right quote. We're only here for a good time and not for a long time. But sadly, people turn around and, and, and they grab the pleasures of sin with both hands. They're not thinking about the long, the long thing, thought, the long journey. They, they, they see sin as it is and they grab it with both hands. Now the Spirit of God says that sin always pays. It's not like one of these gambling machines. You know, you go into a pub or into a club somewhere and you've got a gambling machine. You see a guy walks up there and he puts about 20 pounds into this gambling machine. And, you know, he presses all the buttons and stuff and nothing comes out and you're there watching him and you're waiting for him to go away. And then he goes away and he goes, that's it. You go up there and you find out you put 30 pounds in and still nothing comes out. You know, and like gambling machines, they always pay out. I want to tell you, sin is not like that. The Bible says that sin always pays out. Always. And it pays out in four ways. The first way sin pays out is in guilt. It always pays out in guilt. Some people who reject the Bible, they say, oh, I don't believe your Bible. Don't believe in your Jesus Christ. Don't believe in the crucifixion. and the re- Don't believe all that business about God. And they say that, but one thing they cannot deny is that they've got a conscience. And their conscience is very silent. When they are doing good, you know, they're, they're going to work and they're, they're, they're being a good father, a good mother, and, and they're doing everything right. And, and, and everything's good. Their conscience is silent. But as soon as they do something wrong, then their conscience wakes up. And they realize, I shouldn't have spoken like that. I shouldn't have backstabbed that person like that. I shouldn't have taken that thing from the shop without paying it. And their conscience strikes. I was horrified this week when I read about the the shooting of those 17 people over in Florida. That young man who went into the school and randomly shoot and killed 17 people. I don't care what you may say about him. One thing that I know, that one day he was laying in his bed and he was saying to himself, I shouldn't have done that. That was a bad thing that I'd done. I don't care what psychology he might be, be, be having or, or therapy he might be having. But I want to say that this man who'd done that evil thing will not get away from his conscience. 
As I think about those people, I just want to, I just want to pray for Florida and for that family. Can you just pray with me as we just pray for these people? Father, our hearts go out to the families that are grieving. Lord, sometimes we're so far removed, we think, oh, well, it's over there and it's not here, so let's just forget about it. But Lord, you see the grief and you see the tears and you see the broken hearts of the men and women, the parents, the brothers and the sisters, the aunts and the uncles, those people, Father God, who lost 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 18-year-olds completely and totally taken out of the of this world because of evil and wickedness. And Lord, we want to pray, I want to pray that the God of all comfort will comfort those in great grief and in great sadness today. We pray, oh God, that your mercy will cover them and that you will help them through the very dark, dark valleys that these people are in. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sin always pays. And it pays out in guilt. Sin also pays. And it also pays out in remorse. Act foolishly. Act in anger. Act in rage. Do something out of envy or jealousy. And remorse will come in. You will begin to wish you didn't do that. You're going to wish that you didn't say that. Remorse will come in. I was horrified reading in a newspaper that over in um, Buckinghamshire, a man sitting on a park bench was jumped by two men and raped in a park. I couldn't believe it over in Buckinghamshire. I thought Buckinghamshire don't have bad things happen out there, but... Obviously, men and women with evil hearts are still out there as well. Man was raped. And I just think to myself, what are you thinking? How can you walk away from that man that you left on the ground in the grass and walk away without feeling in your heart some form of remorse? I wish I'd never done that. But that is what sin does. Sin pays out. Whatever that sin might be, it will cause you to regret how you have acted. But also, sin not only pays out in guilt, not only pays out in remorse, but sin also pays out in consequence. Sin comes with this payment of consequences. You may not find out the consequence every single time, but sin will catch up. And the Bible turns around and says this, Be ye not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Sin has consequences. God is not mocked. If you play with sin, you will be burnt. If you carry on sinning, you will have consequences for your sin. In fact, in Proverbs, Solomon writes this, In Proverbs, he says this, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burnt? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. 
No one who touches her will go unpunished. Consequences. Never mind another man's wife or another man's husband. It's all of sin. I don't know where you are at the moment, but I want to tell you this morning, I want to preach it straight to you. Sin has consequences. And that, it pays out in that. But ultimately, sin also pays out in death. And as you know, death takes two paths. When you are slave to sin, when you are slave to sin, you are dead towards God. Ephesians says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In other words, sin separates you from God. That's what it does. Sin separates. God cannot look upon sin. God cannot look upon wickedness. And so therefore the man and the woman who's a slave to sin is separated from God. And God says, to me, you're dead. You're dead to me. The relationship is non-existent. You are completely separated from God. And not only that, it gets a little bit worse. It says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath, God's anger remains on him. He's alive in the flesh. He's out there shopping. He's out there doing his own thing. He's out there in the sports centers. He's out there in the gym. He's out there in, 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 in Lakeside or, or in Blue Water. And there he is out there walking around. But God says, my wrath and my anger is on you. You're dead to me. You have no life to me. And sin pays out in death in that way. That's the first way it pays out in. The second way it pays out in death is eternal death. Now, many churches don't like preaching about this subject. And many people who come to church don't want to hear about this subject. But I'm a faithful preacher, I think I want to be a faithful man in preaching. I want to say that God mentions that there's a heaven to gain but there's a hell to avoid. Many people don't want to hear that Sunday morning. People don't want to hear that in churches anymore. But I want to tell you this morning, there's a heaven to gain, but also there's a hell to be avoided. And being a slave to sin will always, ultimately produce this one thing, will always lead to this one place. And Jesus made no bones about it. When Jesus was preaching a parable and speaking a parable, he said this about his, in his parable. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. The rich man died, was buried. He left all the pleasures the fleeting pleasures, the, the, the pleasures for a season, the pleasures for a short time that he had, all the food and all the luxuries he had at a time. He leaves all that behind. And Jesus says, he's in hell. 
Jesus did not mix his words. I want to tell you, Jesus is the most loving, kindness, warmest person you can ever wish to meet. Even non-Christians turn around and say about Jesus, well, he's a good teacher. I don't know much about him, but he did good, didn't he? He's a good teacher. Jesus was full of compassion. Jesus was full of mercy. Jesus was rich in love. Jesus never turned anyone away. Always had his hands open. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else in the whole Bible. And in his parables, he will turn around and say this. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, Jesus' words here. He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go to eternal punishment. But a righteous to eternal life. Jesus didn't mix his words. And when he spoke about hell, he spoke about it. Why? Because he knew what hell was all about. He was the one who created hell. It was made by him. Not for men and women. It was made by him for demons and his angels and Satan and his hordes. It was made for them. But men who reject Christ find out that they will end up there. He did not make it for you. But he knows how real it is. And so he speaks and he speaks and he speaks and he warns and he warns and he warns. Why? Because he knows the reality of it. And so we read this wonderful verse. Those lines, for the wages of sin. Oh, it pays out, all right. You can take the arm, one arm band it down in these machines and it never might pay out. But when you pull down on sin, it always will pay out, all right. It will pay out in guilt. Oh, it will pay out in remorse. It will pay out in consequences. But he also would pay out in death. Separation from God. Number one. But eternal. Everlasting. Separation from God in hell. Oh, Jesus doesn't want man to go in there. If anyone heard that message today, they will put their hand out there. Sin is too high. The price is too high. I don't want to go to hell. It's too high. I believe many men and women this morning, if they only heard that message, if they just weigh out themselves that the pleasures of sin is so fleeting, only for a short time, if they realize that they will raise their hand up, say it's too high, I don't want to be separated from God. No, no, no. That's not for me. You want to go that road, you go. But as for me, I'm going with God all day long. I'm going with God. How I wish I can preach this message in Lakeside Thurrock. Might get dragged away though. But oh, the wages of sin is death. But moving on, in this one verse that stands head and shoulders in this chapter, gifts are given. So here's the verse again, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. 
I said this before, that gifts are not earned. Gifts cannot be worked for. Gifts are free. And that gift can be given to people who do not deserve it. I remember I'm saying that, what I said in the past before. You know, some of some parents, some of us parents, we can be so cruel, you know, playing my games with our children. We say to our children, you know, if you don't be good, you're not having your birthday party. It's cruel, aren't we, parents? If you don't behave or tired of your bedroom, you're not getting that game that you saw in Tesco's. There's a child thinking, oh no, I'm not going to get my game. But in the back of our minds, we know that we're going to give them the gift. We know that we're going to do the party because we've arranged it all anyway. But we still tell them that you can't, you're being good, you're not going to get it. But the party is still coming because even though they may not deserve it, even though they might be behaving themselves in a wrong way, we still give gifts to our children because we love them. Well, same way, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, you cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it, but there is a gift. Now, I'm reminded of the prodigal son. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son when he came home? The guy who left his father and he went out and spent all the money on crazy living. How does the story end? It ends with him coming back and the father showering him with gifts. Son, take this ring, put it on your finger. Let me put this wonderful coat over your, your, your bony skin. Let me put new sandals. And son, let me spread a table out for you so you can sit down and have a hot meal. And the father showered, showered the boy with so many gifts. This gift, which Paul is speaking about, is undeserved, is unmerited, is unlimited, and yet it's for men and women who don't deserve it. Well, what is that gift? Well, I can hear someone turning around and say, well, it's obvious, look, it says it up here. Um, the gift is eternal life. And when you turn around and say, oh, it's eternal life. He said, well, what is eternal life? And someone may say, well, I know what eternal life is. Eternal life is to live with God forever, never to die, and to go into heaven and to sing his praises forever and ever and ever. That is what eternal life is. I'm saying that you're wrong. Can you imagine coming to the heaven and and coming to the gates and, and someone giving you a harp and saying, now stand there and sing forever and ever and ever. Could you do that? Can you imagine James standing here just playing? You want to sort of like throw eggs at him by the time, you know, half an hour is done. You mean to tell me going to heaven? I'm going to be standing there in heaven and I'm going to be singing, playing my harp? Maybe sitting on a cloud somewhere and sing forever. And is that heaven? I'm telling you, you're wrong. That is not heaven. Well, what is heaven? Now, what is eternal life? That's the question. What is eternal life? If it's not singing praises to God forever, what is it? Well, let Jesus tell you what eternal life is. 
Look what he says in John chapter 17. Now this is eternal life. I'm not going to leave it to you to make up your mind what eternal life is. I'm going to tell you what eternal life is. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I want to tell you this. Eternal life starts now. It does not start when you enter into the box. It does not start at your funeral. It does not start in hospital when you die in hospital. It doesn't start any other place. It starts now. That is when eternal life starts. And eternal life is not just about going to a place. But more importantly, is about the one who will be at the place. Sadly, some people only want to go to heaven. Oh, I want to go to heaven because I don't want to go to hell. Therefore, because I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven. Bad, bad reason. Some people turn around and say, well, I want to go to heaven because I want to see my loved ones. My loved ones went to heaven, so therefore, if I go to heaven, I want to see them. Bad reason. Sadly, some people say, well, I want to go to heaven because I heard that is a nice place. There's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more sadness. It's a nice place, so I want to go to heaven for that reason. Wrong reason. Eternal life is not about a place only, but it's about the one true living God who will be at that place. Now, here's the challenge it is very challenging. Why? Because many people say things like that. You know, I can't be bothered to read my Bible. Don't want to do that. I can't be bothered to pray. You know, going to church, well, I can take it and leave it. Listen to a preacher, well, maybe, maybe not. I can't be bothered to do any of these things. And what they're saying is that I can't be bothered to get to know him. That's what they're saying. I can't be bothered to read my Bible. I can't be bothered to pray. You know, push that to one side. And church, where well, I take it and leave it, what they're saying is, I can't be bothered to know him. But what is eternal life? Eternal life, says Jesus, is that they might know you, the only true and living God. Eternal life starts now, my dear friends. Praise God that you're in church. Praise God that you want to hear a preacher this morning. Because while you're doing that, you're saying, there's something in me that comes alive. When I was in the world, I was dead. I just wanted the pubs and the clubs. I just wanted the drugs and the alcohol. That's all I wanted. But now, eternal life, I come to faith, I'm born again, and something in me comes alive. And I want God. Why? Because eternal life starts while you're down here. While you're breathing and speaking and moving and having your being, that is when eternal life starts. Amen? And um, the wonderful thing is getting to know God. You know, um, there was a, a couple who's not here in church today, but uh, Cleveland and Karen, um, they shared this story with you while they got baptized. But um, Cleveland actually met Karen on the telephone. She was working. He was a salesman. And um, he rang to sell the company something and she answered. 
the phone, and as she answered the phone, they got talking. He rang her back. He rang her back. He rang her back. And before you know it, they were talking for about two years without even seeing one another. I just want to throw that little romantic story in. You know, it's Valentine's Day, just went by. Um, some guy forgot Valentine's Day. Uh, I think Jack was one of those guys. Um, um, but I just want to throw, throw in that little, little story there, you know. Um, they didn't meet for two years as they just carried on speaking with one another on the telephone until the day they decided to meet. I want to tell you this morning, some people in the Bible... It wasn't enough just to wait to see God. They wanted to see something of God now. The eternal life started where they were now. Look at Moses. Moses turned around and said this. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Here's Moses. Moses being with God. He's been through the wilderness. And now he cries out to God. God is not enough. But I'm going to meet with you. Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord. Moses wanted more of God now. Not only Moses, but I like Job. If you read the book of Job, you see right at the end, Job is speaking. He said, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. My ears had heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What he's saying there is that, oh, I was going through great trouble and trial and I I, I didn't know you really, God. But now you've spoken to me. He said, I've seen you, but not with a physical eye. He's just seen the truth of God now down here. And I want to say to you this morning, heaven, Eternal life starts now. It's imperative that you know God. It's imperative that you get to know God. Oh, I don't want to read my Bible. What do you mean you don't want to read your Bible? You're a believer, you're born again. You get to know God because you are going to an eternal home. Praise be to God. The wages of sin is death. It pays out guilt, remorse, consequence, death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The final thing I want to say about this verse, the gifts are not free. As I said, the gift of God is eternal life. But this gift of God, it might be free to you, and it wasn't free to God. It came at a price. Look what it says now. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in or through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to what Jesus said. He said to Philip, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father And that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, 
show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And the same one who said this in the same week, the same week, was stretched out on the cross. Men took nails and began to drive them into his feet and into his hands. And as they were driving those nails into his body, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The one who said, Father, forgive them, It's the same one who said, Father is in me and I am in the Father. But at that moment when he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very moment he cried those words, the Father and Jesus were separated. Can you believe that? The one who says, Philip, don't you know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Believe me when I tell you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But on the cross... There was a separation that took place. God abandoned the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because your sin was on him. He paid the guilt. He paid the remorse. He paid the consequences. He paid the death that you and I should be paid. But he pays it. And because he was paying it, God separated himself from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is eternal life that you might know him. Not that you might go to heaven. That's not eternal life. That you might go to heaven. Eternal life is that you might know him. You have this gift. It's not a wage. It's free. And it's free to those who come freely to him. You can be a slave to sin this morning. Or you can be a slave to God. You can reach out and take hold of the gift this morning. Or you can take hold of the wage. My dear friends, it's entirely up to you. But I want to tell you this morning, who will want to have a wage and not take the gift? What foolishness are we living in today when men and women are taking the wage again and again and again and rejecting the gift? What foolishness am I hearing? It is time for men and women to say enough. With the wage, I'm sick and tired of the guilt. I'm sick and tired of the remorse. I'm sick and tired of the consequences. I want the free gift of eternal life. I want to get to know God. Where are the men and women who are grabbing out for the free gift? Where are they? It's time, my dear friends, to proclaim a message, to preach it from this platform. To tell people there's a wage, it ends in hell, but it's a gift. 
and eternity starts now. I want to walk in eternal life. I'm not waiting for the box. And I can't speak. My life in God starts now. Let's pray.